Last night I was trying to walk out of there and I totally ran into the wall. So I smile every time I walk by there and I'm like, you're not going to get me today. Uh, I have a few, or uh, one more announcement for you. Um, the Fall Festival, we're bringing it back. Woohoo! <clears throat> it is next Sunday the 27th. It's from 5.30 to 8.30. It's going to be right here in the campus. Uh, we're going to actually uh, reconstruct this entire uh, worship center area, get rid of the chairs and stuff. There's going to be about 22 booths of candy and whatnot here. Um, a bouncy house, a preschool area over here, a little DJ dance area here. Uh, goodness, the, we're using all the um, area out there as well for bouncy houses and other games and food that, they, that you can buy. It's open to the community. It's free. We have another element called Halloween, uh, which uh, is going to help take maybe some of the scary elements of, the, of uh, Halloween that are traditionally associated with it and see how Jesus is greater than. And so kids will have an opportunity to walk through that and see that. Um, a couple things we need your help with. One, uh, we'd love for you to invite your friends to it. This is a great contagious event. We'd love for you to bring friends and, and family with that. If you want help uh, inviting them, these invite cards are at the Guest Services Center. You can pick one up there. Uh, we need, do need some more candy. Tr- traditionally, we have around 2,000 folks that come to these things, and so uh, we're looking for uh, individually wrapped bag, uh, pieces of candy. And uh, if you have some of that want to... Uh, join us with that. You can drop it off in the lobbies. There's receptacles that will collect that there. Uh, Or you can drop it by the church this week. That'd be really, really helpful. Uh, Last, we need some help with uh, running some of the booths. We have some openings still. And um, all you get to do is have a kid do a small game. Everything's provided for you. And uh, you get to cheer them on and hand them some candy and send them on their way. So if you want to sign up for that, you can do so at the Life Group uh, Center out in the lobby. All right, let me give you a quick uh, mark update. Uh, this week, uh, there are many of us who, uh, when we come back from Africa, we say, you, know, you can leave Africa, but Africa never leaves you. Uh, mark proved that in a whole new light this week as uh, he uh, picked up malaria. So um, it was 85 days after the trip, uh, he ended up coming down with the malaria. The, the, how, what happened was a week ago, Tuesday, he went home, felt like he had the flu, didn't feel that great, and then... Um, Malaria, if you know, kind of comes in cycles. You feel cruddy, and then you kind of relief from it, and then you feel cruddy, and then you kind of relieved from it, and then you start feeling really cruddy. And uh, he, you know, he went golfing Friday, and then Friday night had the shakes again and couldn't figure it out. Uh, had called me and said, hey, could you have Brett and O'Brien ready to wrap up uh, Sunday, that's last week, in case, you know, I can't make it to church. And I was like, sure. Uh, he came. He didn't feel that great, but was here. But then Sunday night, uh, his blood pressure really dropped, and he started going through a bout, and... Um, he couldn't stand up, and so I uh, took him to uh, Tampa General in the emergency room and, and figured out uh, he has m- had malaria. He was in the ICU for a day and then uh, rested in the hospital for another couple of days, was out on Thursday. Uh, he is at home now. I uh, talked to him yesterday, and here's what he said. He wanted me to tell you thank you so much for your prayers uh, and for the get well messages. Uh, he says, I'm starting to like food again, which I guess is a good thing. And uh, he says he uh, sleeps most of the day. Uh, no real pain, just absolutely no energy. And so uh, if you want to be praying for him, please do. Uh, pray that he would get his energy back and that uh, he would uh, get uh, feeling better. Uh, as God tends to work things out, uh, a couple months ago, uh, Mark asked me to preach these two weeks. So uh, it was perfect timing, I told him. Uh, so the, the, uh, um, I was already kind of set to go, so it wasn't uh, too much too much more, but we're going to continue our, our Homeland Security series, and we're going to be talking for the next two weeks about family. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about how to leave a legacy of faith, and uh, next week, we're going to look at some of the roles within family and how those uh, play out.
our lives tend to change pretty rapidly when kids come into the picture. Uh, And it becomes even uh, faster when more children come into the picture. Uh, And and, and our parenting styles and and what we uphold kind of changes a little bit. I mean, if you think about it, think about baby's clothing. The first baby, you probably pre-washed all your newborn's clothes, color-coordinated them, folded them neatly in the little baby bureau. Uh, The second baby, you checked to make sure the clothes were clean, did not have stains, and only threw away the darkest stained items. Uh, The third baby, you're like, boys can wear pink in dresses, right? This could work. If you think about the pacifier, uh, the first baby, that pacifier falls on the floor. Uh, You put it away so you can go home, wash it, or boil it. Uh, That second baby, when the pacifier falls on the floor, you squirt it off with some juice. That third baby, you just kind of wipe it on the shirt and stick it right back in. Uh, When you go out, that first baby you might have called home five times just to check, see if they're uh, okay. Are they still breathing? Are you sure? Uh, That second baby, as you left, you were like, oh yeah, I got a cell phone number. Here it is. The third baby, you're like, if there's blood, call me. Uh, When you're at home, uh, you might have spent a good part of every day gazing at the first baby. Uh, The second baby, you spent a lot of time trying to get the older brother or sister not to squeeze, poke, push, or grab that baby. Uh, The third baby, you spend a good deal of every day hiding from the kids (laughs) to get some time away. Uh, Life changes fast. Uh, The more that we have kids, babies arrive, uh, it changes everything. Uh, Your parenting style changes from one child to the next. Uh, You think of the phases that kids go through. That first phase is one of total dependence. Uh, It is physically exhausting. There is no sleep. You can't really communicate with them. You feel like you live at the doctor's office. It's exhausting physically. That second phase, yes, it's filled with, you know, like the terrible twos and all that, but it's one of discovery where you're seeing uh, that child discover things and their eyes light up and they get to understand things and, and you're seeing them just kind of grab so much information in that time. Uh, then they enter and go through elementary school. I call it God's rest stop before you hit junior high and high school. Uh, but they begin to understand certain nuggets of wisdom. They begin to put together certain things in their life and, and, and start to mentally get things. Uh, they interviewed a bunch of kids in the elementary age, and they said, hey, if you had any kind of wisdom to share with your brother or sister, what would it be? Here's what they said. Uh, this young boy, Patrick, said this, never trust a dog to watch your food. I thought that's good life wisdom. Uh, Michael says this, uh, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid, don't answer him. (laughs) It's like, that is one smart kid. He also had this to say, never tell your mom her diet's not working. Uh, Naomi says this, if you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse. I was like, all right, not bad. Uh, Joel says this, don't pick, your, don't pick on your sister while she's holding a baseball bat. It's like, wow. <clears throat> but our kids figure us out, right? They start to begin to figure who can they ask what to to get what they want. For example, if you were to sit my three kids up here and say, okay, in the, in the middle of the night, you got a problem. Which parent are you going to wake up? They'd be like, uh, mom. I'm like, okay, what if mom's not home? I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Right? Because uh, I wake up and I am scary. I, I don't wake up well and I, I wake up loud. Uh, there better be a real problem. But Nicole wakes up obviously much better than me. But uh, I went on a trip with the two boys and we stopped at Starbucks. And uh, Rylan looks at me and goes, um, Dad, can I have some hot chocolate? 
Before I could answer him, Cam jumped in and goes, Are you kidding, Rylan? Mom's not here. This is Dad. Of course you can have hot chocolate. <laughs> they begin to understand us, and they begin to understand the things that we will allow, things that we won't. Uh, they move from that subtle wisdom stage to what some would refer to as the know-it-all stage. Uh, and some of you are living through this or have lived through this. Uh, my daughter is just starting to enter this stage, and we laugh with her a lot because every time we tell her something, she responds with this. She's like, no, Dad. Right? In other words, uh, you didn't do that right, and you, let me explain to you how it really should be. Yeah, the, um, and so we mock her all the time. Whenever we see her, we're like, no, Tegan. It's, it's going well so far, I'll tell you, in four years how that totally goes. But they're under our roof, but they get to decide some things on their own. They get to figure out things on their own. They're moving from childhood to young adulthood. And it is a great time. Sometimes it's a mentally exhausting time. Uh, it can be incredibly enriching, and it can be incredibly frustrating at the same time uh, as they move from that childhood stage to independence and young adult stage. Uh, as they become adults, we still have roles to play in their lives. Uh, we become advisor, counselor, friend. And let me ask you this. What is the goal? What is the goal? Uh, some might say it's to get a job. That eventually they'd get a job. I had someone come up to me after last service and be like, that they'd move out of the house someday. Uh, some might say that they become an active member in our society. Uh, maybe that they would get married. Well, to be honest with you, I believe our first goal is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, we're going to spend some time this morning taking a look at that. I want to dive into this text and pull out some principles that I believe that, that we can take home and that we can integrate into our lives uh, and help us to pass down a legacy of faith to the next generation. Now, some of you sitting in here, your kids have gone, uh, grown up, and they've gone. Uh, know this, you can still be an influence in their life as you take these principles and apply them. <clears throat> Some of you here, you don't have kids, and you're like, great. i got to sit here for 40 minutes listening to him talk about parenting. Know this. When Moses was talking, and he was addressing the community of Israel, he was addressing the community as a whole. And, and they were right at the promised land. They were on one side of the Jordan, ready to cross over to uh, go into the promised land. And Moses wasn't going with them, but he was warning them. And he was telling them, when you go, here are the things you need to impart to the next generation. He was talking to the whole community. You are part of our community here at Baylife. And I'm going to tell you that when you put these principles into play in your life, you're going to make a difference in our community and helping the next generation come to know and love uh, and follow Jesus. And so listen to these principles. Figure out ways that you can apply them uh, to your own life uh, because we desperately need your input uh, in our children's lives. So let me do this. Let me pray, and uh, then we'll jump into Deuteronomy. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity that we have this morning to look into your word and to see what it has to say about leaving a legacy of faith. God, we thank you um, for what you said through Moses in these words. Help us, Lord, to pull out these principles and look for ways that they could apply to our lives. Speak to us, Lord. Allow me just to move out of the way and say the things you want said this morning. It's in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, we're going to start at verse 4. 
the next two verses, verse 4 and 5, these verses are called the Shema. Uh, it's a basic statement of, is, uh, of the Hebrew faith. If, um, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest uh, portion of the law, he quoted this in the New Testament in three different occasions, three different places. Verse 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, this verse, if you were to look at it in the Hebrew Bible, the first word of hear, which is Shema, uh, if you were to look at that, that, that letter is, is um, bold text and raised above. That last letter of the word one is also bold text and raised above. It's an indication, hey, this is important. You want to take special note of this. Uh, you want to grasp this in your life and you want to uh, grab hold of this right here. Uh, it's emphasizing the importance of this confession. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They were about to leave where they were in the Jordan, cross over the Jordan into the promised land, and in that promised land was multiple different cultures with multiple different gods. And what he's saying is this, remember, when you go into that land, remember that your God is above all. Uh, That those other gods that are in that land, they have no power. They have no weight. So do not bow down to them. Do not follow after them. It's pretty important in our culture as well, isn't it? Uh, We live in a culture that worships a lot of different things. Uh, Whether it be money, whether it be power, uh, whether it be sensuality, whether it be sexuality, whether it be uh, athleticism. Uh, We worship different ways. And what we need to impart to our children is this, that our God, the the Christian God, the, the, the Yahweh, is a God above all and one worthy to give our life to. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. In other words, you shall love uh, God in totality. It's not just, I come and I root him on on Sunday and and I'm a big fan. It is seven days a week, I am a part of uh, loving God, pursuing after him. Uh, The the, the writing here is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Uh, In fact, in the Hebrew culture, that term heart was meant to be the place in which they make decisions. Uh, almost like their intellect. So if we would put it in our modern day culture, we would say this, you should love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your thoughts, with the way in which you make your decisions. Uh, The second phrase, you should love the Lord your God with all your soul. For the Hebrew culture, that was the emotion. Uh, We would would equivalent that to heart. So sometimes when we read it, we're like, heart, emotion, soul, emotion. What? what? Why does it say the same thing twice? It's actually mind, emotion, and then strength. Uh, the things that we do, the, the ways in which we live. We, we're to love God in totality. So, okay, great. The goal is for my children to grow up and love God with their minds, uh, with their emotion, and with their strength. But how do I do that? I mean, how is this accomplished uh, in my children's lives? I believe the next few verses give us a few principles that we can take and, and we can apply to our parenting. Uh, we can apply to the influence that we have uh, in, that, in the next generation. Now, here's the thing. When you leave here today, um, do me a favor. I, I don't want you to rate my sermon. I don't want you to sit at lunch and be like, oh, it was an okay presentation style, but I can't wait till Mark's not sick. Um, I, I, I don't want you to kind of grade my, my presentation style. Here's what I really want you to have conversation around. I want you to have conversation around these principles. And say, hey, how can I take these principles? How can we take these principles and apply them in our families and apply them uh, in our lives so that the next generation would grow up and, and love God with their, with their minds, with their heart, with their, with, their, with their strength? How do I integrate them into my life? 
What do we need to change or subtract so that these principles have room to grow? Well, here are the principles. The first one is this. Uh, If we want to pass a legacy of faith, uh, the first thing for us, we as parents need to live our faith out. We need to live it out. Verse 6 says this, And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. Uh, Remember, heart is not the center of emotional life in Hebrew culture. Uh, uh, The heart was the center of decision-making, the intellect or rational side. This command means there to remember uh, the commands and not forget and to live them out. Um, And so here's the question. What is your relationship with Jesus like? What is it like? Uh, Are you walking step and step with him? Are you just showing up on Sunday and being like, got my Sunday in and living however you want? Because here's the truth. You need to have a relationship with Jesus before you can give one away. Uh, Your kids are going to follow you. Uh, They're the ones you cannot fool. Think about it. We can put on the smiley face, we can show the public persona, but there are some people that we can't fool. On the top of that list for our, for our walk in Jesus is our children. Why? Because they're around us all the time. Uh, they see if the things that we're saying to others uh, jive with the things that we do at home. Uh, I've shared from this stage before that uh, I am a, uh, I'll, I'll say this, I'm a quick driver. I'm also a helpful educational driver in that I tell other people how to drive while I'm driving. Um, And I usually keep the windows up so that they can't hear me because I'm sure they might disagree with my assessment. But uh, there was one day I was driving along and a car came in my lane and I had to slam on the brakes and he totally cut me off. And so I I yelled out, I'm like, oh, you idiot! So my son Ryland was in the back seat and he perks up and he he goes, "Why, why is that person an idiot? And I go, well... Because they cut me off, I had to slam on the brakes, and that totally wasn't cool. And they're like, yeah, but do you know him? No, but uh, I know all I need to know about him. He, again, cut me off, I slammed on the brakes, and that wasn't cool. Well, how come you can call him an idiot and you tell me I can't call Cam an idiot? Well, because, that's a really good point. Um, You should be quiet now. Right? It's usually our response to that moment. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, they see us at our best, they see us at our worst. Uh, we can't fake our walk with Jesus with them. We, we can't do it. In fact, a good test of how you're doing at this one, have someone else interview your kids about your faith in Jesus. And hear what they say. Because I guarantee they'll give an honest assessment. So the question becomes, well, how do I invest in myself so that I can keep growing, so that I can lead my children? Uh, There's some things available to you here. Uh, You can get involved in one of our life groups where you come and you do life together and you learn together and you grow together and you walk through life together and apply scripture together. Uh, You can get involved in the men's study or the women's study and keep coming and learning. Uh, If you're a new believer, you can sign up for one of our Life Steps classes. And just get some of the foundations of the faith. And you can find out all about those things at the Life Group Center if you're interested in those. But have that honest conversation. Hey, here's where Dad's at. Here's where Mom's at. This is, I'm growing in my walk. I mean, think about it. What you're, not, you're not modeling perfection to them. 
You're modeling God's grace in your life. You're modeling God's grace in your life because without his grace, we have nothing. If you were to read this whole passage in in Deuteronomy, you would see that everything that Israel is getting is because God is gracious to them. Um, They were to teach about God's grace. Israel delivered... Uh, was delivered from Egypt because of God's grace. Israel was sustained in the wilderness and the desert because of God's grace. Israel was about to enter into the promised land because of God's grace. And their reaction to his grace was obedience to the things that God wanted them to do. And so here's your simple discussion point with your spouse or with, uh, um, with a friend. Uh, am I following Christ with my heart or am I just pretending right now? Am I following Christ with my heart? Or am I just pretending right now? Principle two is this. If we want to pass on a legacy of faith, is simply this. We as parents need to talk about it, it being our faith, with our children. We need to talk about it. Uh, verse seven says this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. The image here is one of an engraver of a monument, kind of uh, hitting a hammer over and over and over again to, to put his message into the stone. It takes a long time. It's repetitive. But once that message is there, it's there to stay. The sheer task of uh, embedding this message into our children is daunting if we look at it. Uh, but it is one of repetition, talking about it. Uh, you might say, oh, i got plenty of time. I mean, it's, you know... 18 or 19 until they leave the house, supposedly. Uh, you know, it, I got plenty of time for that. But here's the thing. You really don't. Time moves really fast. I can remember when we lived in Dallas, Nicole told me a story where she had, I had to go to church early, so she had to take the kids. And uh, Rylan was barely walking, and so he obviously wanted to walk. Cam was very slow at developing because he didn't really care. And so he was barely walking too. And so they were walking like this. And, and of course, you know, when Rylan saw that Cam had that hand, he wanted that hand. And so he would fight over this way, and the other one would fight back this way. And so she is trying to walk up. And Tegan the whole way is like, Mom, can you carry me? Mom, can you carry me? Mom, can you carry me? And she, she got up there, and she's ready for worship, right? She's all excited for church this morning. And some sweet older lady of our church, and I don't know what she was thinking at the moment, but she looked at her, and she goes, Oh, you should cherish these moments. <laughs> goes like, yeah, I give you cherish. Right? But what was she saying? She was looking backward. And going, man, it seems like yesterday my kids were that age. And now they're gone. And, you know, as we look back over time, uh, that's not going to be a moment we cherished, but as we look back over time, there are definite moments that we savor and that we cherish that have happened with our children. One of the ways uh, that I remind myself of this uh, is this jar. Uh, it has a, has a bunch of stones in it. Each stone represents one week uh, un- until uh, my children uh, leave the house to go to college if they were to go in their freshman year. Uh, if you were to walk into my office, you would see this behind my desk, uh, pictures of them when they were little, uh, and then the stones that are remaining uh, in their jar. And so every Monday when I get in, I climb up on my chair, and I take one of these stones and I throw it away. Um, part of that's sad and depressing, but part of that is just a reminder to me. I only have so much that they're under my roof. 
Uh, when I started off this jar, uh, Tegan had 950 weeks. I counted it last night. 198. It goes fast. It goes fast. And so the question is this. How are you investing that time that you have with your children while they're in your home? Here, here's what God's Word says. Talk about it when you sit down. That, that basically means downtimes at the house. When you're hanging around, talk about God's goodness. One of the ways this works out in the Icom household is that when we're at the dinner table together, uh, we talk about what God has done in their life that day. What's the best thing? And we, we remind them, man, isn't God good to allow us to, to have that to happen? Um, when you walk by the way, not many of us walk around these days, but we do drive. Uh, I love driving with my children because they can't go anywhere. They're not jumping out at 60 miles an hour. It's fantastic. I have undivided attention. And so we talk about life. Uh, when you lie down, when you go to bed, basically. Uh, at our house, uh, we still uh, go and, and tuck our boys in and our, our daughter in, and, and we pray for them for the next day and what's going on. And usually if they have friends over, we'll sit down and we'll say, hey, listen, this is kind of a tradition in our house. We sit down and we pray for our, our children. And so um, if you want any, uh, to pray for anything for you, you're more than welcome. And a few weeks ago, one of the boys who'd been over our house, he's like, I know, Mr. Eichem, here's things I need you to pray for. And he started listening off a little, like, all right, buddy, great, let's do this. Um, and so we try and keep up with that and, and make sure that we are there when they're going to bed so that we can talk to them. Uh, when you rise, this is during your morning routine. During your morning routine, I have the privilege of driving two of my children to school. And before I drop them off, when I pull up, I pray for them. And, and I look at them as they're leaving. I say, hey, don't forget, I love you. God loves you. No matter what happens today, don't forget. Yes, Dad. And they leave. Why? Because I have an opportunity to influence them in that moment. So what do you talk about? Let me give you four quick things that you could talk about. Uh, the first is tell of God's goodness. Tell of God's goodness. Remind them of God's goodness. In this chapter, verses 10, 11, and 12 are all about God's goodness to Israel. Remind your children about God's goodness. Uh, Second thing, tell them your story. Tell them your faith story. Let them hear it. Uh, Verse 20 says this, When your son asks you in time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and statues and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Tell them your story. Even if your story's not pretty. Tell them your story and what God has done in your life. If you were to ask my children, they would be able to tell you my scooter accident story. Uh, Because uh, a scooter accident that I got into uh, when I was in, in college... Um, moved me into ministry for, for, for some chains of events and also made it uh, possible for me to meet their mom because I stayed in uh, Arizona. And so they know that that's a huge part of what God um, did in my life. And they know that, uh, that sometimes when God brings pain, that he brings uh, an incredible blessing through that, through that uh, circumstance. And, and they've heard that story over and over. And there'll be times occasionally we're like, Dad, can you tell us a scooter, scooter story again? And what they're asking for is the silly hospital stories that are around it. But I love telling it again because I love the opportunity to remind them of what God has done in my life. Uh, third thing to talk about. Ask about their story. Uh, spend time listening. 
without correcting their story or the way in which they're telling it. Uh, Spend time allowing them to process that, asking them questions, follow-up questions. A good habit to get into is when your your, your son or daughter tells you about their day, um, follow up with another question. Don't be like, oh, that totally reminds me when I was your age. Just follow it up with, well, really, how'd that make you feel when that happened? Oh, yeah. Well, why did you do that? Questions that they can't answer with, fine, good, no, yes. But questions that they got to think about a little bit and they have to process with. Uh, Fourth, show them where their story intersects with God's story. Um, Questions to follow up with. What does that tell you about God? Oh, isn't God great to allow that to happen to you? Oh, man, that's really bad. Do you know that God says he'll never leave us or forsake us in these moments? Allow them to see where their story, where their life intersects with what God is doing. Things that compete with this time and this conversation opportunity in my house. I'm sure you probably have some others. Uh, But in my house, the things that compete with it are TV, computer, video games, uh, iPods or iPads, uh, smartphones, uh, my own busyness, radio, especially morning radio. Uh, And so here's what we try and do at our house. We try and limit these things. Uh, you know, the phones, they need to be turned off at dinner time because this is our time to sit and to um, invest in one another and talk with one another and be together uh, and share about our day. Um, there will be times that we get in the car and we're like, no electronics today. Don't even think about bringing blah, blah, blah out. You know, Tegan is a reader, and so, so, so she'll sometimes sit in that front seat with a book, and there are many times that I'll grab that book and I'll toss it in the back of my hatchback and be like, oh, it's against the law, don't buckle your seatbelt. Let's talk. How was your day? Dad! Why? Because I have them there at that moment and at that time. So we try and limit those things. One thing we know with our youngest son is that when he is acting out, we have allowed too much electronic stimuli stimuli into his life. And so we are quick to discipline with that, uh, to to take those things out of his life. And, And what we find is the more we restrict that, the more we take those things out, the better our family time is, the more we just hang out together and enjoy one another, and laugh together. Uh, some other things in there. Uh, this was spoken about at the marriage weekend, but uh, the illusion of quality time as opposed to quantity time. Uh, remember this. You can't schedule quality time. Uh, it comes when you're investing quantity time uh, in your children. I can't tell you the times that I've had unscheduled conversations with my kids in the middle of kicking a soccer ball or throwing a ball or just sitting and driving that I had no idea that God was going to lead us down that road but are incredibly sweet, sweet conversations that God ordained. So here's some things I try and do in my own life. Um, I try and be out of the office by a certain time so that uh, I can drive my kids certain places so that I can have conversations with them, so that I can watch them do the things that they love to do. And in our world, it's soccer. Um, I'm sure your world is different, but that's our world. Uh, I want them to have their friends over to my house. I encourage them to bring their friends. And I'm always like, hey, you want to invite your friend over? Yeah? You want to invite your friend over? Yeah? Okay, great. Um, why? Because their friends are going to be their major influencers in their teen years, and I want to know who's influencing their life. I want to know what their families are like. Um, I'm fiercely protective of uh, family time. I've, uh, this, this was a huge struggle for me. 
Uh, but with some help, I've learned how to say the word no with some things. A lot of the hobbies and stuff that I used to do, I don't do anymore. My hobbies right now, honestly, are running with my family. Because 198 is going to go fast. It's going to go fast. And I'll have plenty of time to pick those hobbies back up in that. Uh, Remember, Moses talked to the community about this. And so here's an encouragement to you. As they get older, you need other influences in their life speaking the same message you are. Uh, To be honest, I am deeply thankful for these four ladies, uh, Miriam, Mel, Wendy, and Franny, uh, who have invested in Tegan over the past three and a half years. Uh, I could recite similar lists for Camden and Ryland in there uh, as they've grown up uh, here in um, elementary school. But uh, the influence that those ladies have had on Tegan and building into her and getting her passionate about Jesus and saying the same things that I'm saying at home and that Nicole's saying at home have been incredibly, incredibly helpful. Those of you with older children, uh, think about just inviting them back for dinner or for coffee. Just to hear about their lives. Just to ask, what can I be praying for with you? Uh, Call them up. Visit them. Influence doesn't have to stop after high school or college. Uh, When you meet with your older children, uh, especially ones that are not living maybe the way you would hope they were, uh, I would encourage you with this verse. Proverbs 16.24 says this, Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Uh, Remember to uh, enjoy them, be with them, and have good conversation with them. So at lunch today, when you're talking about this principle, here are the three questions I want you to ask yourselves about this principle. Um, How am I doing at making time for my kids? How are we doing at making time for our kids? Uh, The second question, how am I spending that time with my children? How am I spending that time? Am I bringing up conversation about faith, about Jesus? And then third question, who do we or who could we invite into our child's life that needs to be there? Who could we reach out to and partner with in some way? Maybe it's their uh, small group leader uh, over in kids' ministry. Maybe it's their small group leader in middle school or high school. Maybe it's a friend, a type friend of a family that you have that... Although they're not family, they call them aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so, and and you know that they have deep influence in your children's lives. Principle number three. If we want to pass on a legacy of faith, uh, the third principle is simply this. We as parents need to display it. We need to display that uh, our faith is important to us. Verse 8 says this. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as fauntlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Uh, This command was later kept by uh, writing certain places of scripture on parchment and putting them in leather pouches, putting them on your left forearm or on your forehead. The word fauntlet is a band or an ornament on the the forehead and is basically meant to be a public sign that that you're following God. Uh, I have that for a physical reminder. I have this thing, this jawbone thing, and uh, I track what I eat with it and uh, it tracks my sleep and it tracks how many steps I take and it reminds me to be active and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's become kind of this string on the finger, so to speak, to remind me, oh, I should probably go to bed now if I'm going to be functioning tomorrow. Oh, hey, look, I should probably get up and walk a little bit if I'm going to hit the goal that I want to hit. I maybe shouldn't eat that if I'm going to, all those kind of things. For many of us, this contagious bracelet has kind of served uh, for that over the past few weeks as we've kind of remembered, oh, hey, maybe I shouldn't say that to that person right here. 
uh, a way in which to remember. Uh, side note, it was really fun going and visiting Mark in ICU and, and looking down and seeing him wear a contagious bracelet. And everyone walks in and went, uh, <clears throat> that was kind of fun. But here's the question. What signs and symbols uh, are up around your life that remind you and your children to pursue Jesus? Uh, at lunch today, discuss this question with this principle. If someone were to come into my home and we were not there, would they know that this home follows Jesus? Would there be anything up that reminds this home that we follow Jesus? I can tell you as a high school student, uh, there are many times I was walking around my house kind of bored and I would find myself reading the verses and the signs that my parents had up on the wall. And it was just another reminder that we followed Christ. Principle number four. Uh, we as parents, if we want to leave a legacy of faith, we as parents need to pray for it. I'm not going to try and uh, fit this one into this passage because uh, it's not there, but I'm going to end up with this one because prayer is incredibly crucial. Uh, we can't do this in our own power, in our own strength, but we really need to be on our knees uh, before the Lord for our children. First Thessalonians 5.17 says this, Pray without ceasing. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this, Don't be, Do not be anxious about anything. That sounds a lot like a lot of moments in parenthood, doesn't it? Um, anxiety. Uh, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So pray for them. Um, pray with them. Listen to them pray. Pray for them some more. I grew up in a home where my parents lived out these four principles. Uh, my mom and dad loved Jesus. There were six of us in that house. Now here's the thing. When we left the home, three of us were following Jesus, and three of us turned our backs on him. Wanted nothing to do with him. Now, when I watched my mom and dad, they had these principles in place. Uh, they lived out their love for Jesus. If you would talk to any of the six of us, you would go, yeah, they're... they're our parents loved Jesus. We, we knew it. Uh, they weren't perfect, but they followed him with all their heart. I can tell you this, that uh, my parents talked with us and still talk with us now about our walk with Jesus. Uh, they tell of his goodness. They tell their story. Uh, they tell their story to our kids. They tell our story to our kids. Uh, they are involved. Um, it is not uncommon for my mom to say these things in the conversation. Man, isn't God good that he let your family do that? Oh, hey, I'm sorry you're going through that, but you know what God says. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And there are other tidbits that she throws out constantly. They pray consistently for their kids and grandkids. And this really applies to my mom. It did apply to my dad, um, but he has passed. Uh, and my mom recently told me, I'm really focusing right now on my grandkids. Now, of the three that walked away, one was my sister Pam. And uh, I want to close just by telling you her story. Uh, she walked away at 16, 17 years old. She was a party-goer. Uh, in fact, we called her camp counselor because she was the organizer of many parties. Uh, she mocked going to church as she get, got into her 20s and would mock us for going. She'd be like, oh yeah, spending time at the big house, huh? That's a waste. And that was a com common conversation to have. And it was uncomfortable. Uh, 20 years later, as uh, she married a guy and, and had some children of her own, she was sitting uh, aunt, at my aunt's funeral. And uh, her son grabbed her hand and said this to her, Who is that guy 
And why is he on a cross? Who is that guy? And why is he on a cross? And she thought to herself, you know what, I've rejected Jesus, but I haven't even given my kids the opportunity to make their own decision. And so she started to go to a startup church at a local high school near her. Uh, she also had gotten a new job at a health clinic slash workout place. And she loved it, loved the people there. And then the doctors who owned the place said, hey, listen, on Wednesday, we're going to have a prayer meeting. If you want to come and pray or want us to pray for you, we'd love to do it. And she's like, oh, dang, these people are Christians. I've been trying to get away from them all my life, and I'm surrounded. But they're actually fun. I, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, hey, Pam, hello? If you're calling me not fun. She's like, no, not you, other people I know. Um, she had this uh, incredible conversation. She'd call me once and she, she said she was so upset about a sermon that was preached on a Sunday at the church that she went to. And she's like, hey, would your church ever preach this kind of crud? And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? They were talking about being a lukewarm Christian. And I was like, oh, the Holy Spirit, yeah! I'm like, um, would and has, yes. We, we would and we, we have. And she's like, well, I don't care about that stuff. That's just baloney. I want a church where I, I, I get to greet, I get to shake some hands. I'm good at saying hi to people. If my kids want to choose this, great. Help me be a better person. But don't tell me I've got to be on fire for Jesus, that I've got to give my life to him, that I've got to follow him, that I've got to surrender to him, that I've got to be passionate about him. Don't tell me that. And I was like, well, that's kind of what the Bible says, Pam. Uh, whatever. If I ever see that guy, I'm giving him a piece of my mind. I was like, all right. So she uh, was going on a trip to Arizona the next day. So I called my mom. She had had a similar conversation with my mom, and we had been praying for her. She got on her plane to go to Arizona, and she's kind of funny. She told her husband, when I get back, we're going to look for another church. And he's like, hey, listen, if we don't go to church, that's fine with me. I mean, we're only doing this so our kids can whatever, but I, I can find other ways to spend my time. I, I don't want to have anything to do with this thing. And he's like, well, we'll talk about it when we get back. Sat down. Guess who got put on the plane right next to her? Her pastor. It was awesome. She was flying from Chicago to Phoenix. And uh, she, he walked in, and she looked at him and was like, oh, my goodness. Right? And he looked at her and was like, well, I didn't, guess I'm not going to get my work done. You know, and he sat down, and she, she looked over, and she goes, hey, I got a problem with you and this lukewarm Christian stuff. And he's like an evangelist at heart. So he was like, really? That's great. And she goes, we had mechanical difficulties for three hours. We sat on the runway at O'Hare while I asked every question I had. And uh, I'll tell you this. She called me when she um, had landed in Phoenix and somewhere from Chicago to Phoenix. My sister gave her life to Jesus. Now here's the thing. That was 27 years after she had turned her back on everything and walked away. I know that there are those of you in this room that uh, as your adult kids have left the home, that they have gone and they have made choices that you wish they didn't. And your heart just breaks over where they are right now with Jesus. I'm going to tell you this. Our God is a God of miracles. Um, my sister right now is uh, the outreach coordinator at her church. <clears throat> uh, she does Eleanor's job up, up there in Chicago. And uh, 
I was just at uh, her daughter's wedding, my niece, uh, doing the wedding, and, and I was co-doing it with one of the other pastors, and he got up, and he talked about the difficulties of marriage, and he looked at my sister, and uh, he said this, he said, uh, five years ago when you went through breast cancer, uh, that man right next to you was Jesus in the flesh to you. And he was pointing at my brother-in-law, who had come to know Jesus in this process as well. And I'm telling you, if you had told me 20 years ago that that would have happened at my niece's wedding, I would have said, listen, I know God's a God of miracle, but you don't know how hard my sister's heart is. You have no idea. If, if your children are there, don't give up hope. Keep living it out in front of them. Keep talking to them about your faith. Keep uh, talking to them about how their lives intersect with God. Keep displaying it when they come over to your home and keep praying for them because our God is a God of miracles. Let me pray for you. Uh, Father God, I just, uh, I thank you so much, Lord, for the way in which you love us. Uh, Lord, it is a daunting task to make sure the next generation knows and understands about your goodness, about your grace. Uh, Lord, my desire for every one of our students, every one of our children in this place is that they would know and love you, that they would follow you with their minds, that they, with their hearts, um, with their strength. Um, Lord, I know that in this, there are some that are, are desperately crying out uh, for some of their children that have walked away from you. God, I pray that you would move in their life and move in circumstances and bring them low to where all they could do is turn back to you. Give us wisdom in that, Lord. It is in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about some of the roles of family. So I look forward to seeing you then. If you're visiting with us, I'd love to meet you over here in the corner. Other than that, have a wonderful, wonderful week.